You know, I, I, I think right there, we could just go home because we learned our lesson this morning, right? Romans chapter 12 and verse 14. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them and turn with me there. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. <clears throat> we continue on in our series in the book of Romans. The time for truth is now. Welcome every single one of you to Big Woods Bible Church. It is great to be together in the house of the Lord. Remember when you were a kid and you were standing um, with your like heels against the chain link fence. Everybody had to line up and somebody's going to like pick you to be on their team. Like, and and you're, you're like hoping, like somebody please pick us, like somebody please. And you're, you're trying to be cool, like it doesn't matter. You know how like we're waiting for a family to like, please choose Big Woods so that we can just love on you right now. I kind of feel like that at some level. We're like, please just pick us, pick us. Really, we're really, really nice people. Can, can I just remind you of this? Rather than waiting, Lord... Please have somebody choose us. You, you realize that God himself has chosen you. you. You realize that. Through your what? Your presence this morning, the word of God has been opened. That God chooses us and he longs and desires for you to have faith in what you hear this morning. Because we, we'll hear things Boy, they, they can be tough to swallow. It can be tough, just like we reminded the little ones. It can be tough to kind of hold our tongues. And we are reminded of that as we are given an example of how to live in light of gospel truth. I need to pray. We, we need to bow our heads and ask for God's help as we listen and Lord willing, Lord willing, learn this morning. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, we... Come into your presence, bowed, as a, as a sign, showing our submission to your authority. We, we talk a lot about authority, your authority, your sovereign will, you're in charge, and, and yet oftentimes we don't, we don't live. Like you are the final authority. And I pray, Lord, my, my prayer, our heart's desire, our longing, our, and our cry this morning is that we would, we would hear from your word, we would allow your spirit to speak to us, and we would live in full obedience. We need your help to do that. Lord, I, I pray for people that are here today that are, they're just aching. They're hurting, they're exhausted, they're worn. Lord, I pray in a, in a special way that you would minister to them. Just wrap your loving arms around them and draw them close to you. Please, Lord, help us to hear from you. May you be glorified in, in every part of this message this morning. We love you, we love you, we thank you, and we're amazed and your love for us. Please guard my mind and my mouth. May everything that is said and done be for your glory and your glory alone. We ask this. 
In the amazing name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen and amen. <clears throat> Took a little break just last week from uh, Romans to celebrate the resurrection. If you recall, we've been in this section in Romans chapter 12. And just by way of a reminder, there's been several different headings depending on what Bible you have in, in front of you, what translation, there's different headings of this section. Love in action, brotherly love, Christian ethics, um, lest you be hypocrites, marks of a true Christian. They, they all, this whole section speaks about what? The sincerity of our relationship, the way that we interact with one another. And again, if you recall what has been happening here, We've gathered together a greater understanding of what we believe. Basic doctrine and theology, our Christology, our soteriology, what we believe about sin, salvation, and our Savior in chapters 1 through 11. And now chapters 12 and onward, we're focusing on this practical application. The how-to. How do we function together as a local church? Everything that we do, we're, we're to do it for the glory of God. We, we glorify God and we edify others. And I think if we're honest, we, we get the God part. But it's, it's the one another part that is really the rub. That's the hard one. That's, that's tough. The reason is because we all see life differently. We have different personalities and gifts and interests. I, 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 I like my music loud and I like my steak rare. Everyone should be like that. In my world, like how, how can you, like, and it just, it doesn't work like that. It's totally ridiculous. We have to remember what? We've got to see one another for who they are. We, we have to, to lean in. We have to listen to one another. We need to learn to love. Why? Because the world is watching. Remember, what they will learn about Christ is what they will see in his followers. In, in, in what? Christians. Ones like Christ. Now, now this text have been what multiple imperatives, multiple commands, ultimately pointing, all pointing to our ultimate example of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who perfectly manifested every single one of these qualities. He lived, he loved, he, he interacted, he moved amongst one another's. And yet, we know the story throughout the Gospels. If you recall, most people didn't like him. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like the way that he spoke. They nailed him to a cross because of what he did and who he claimed to be. Thus the reason what the Holy Spirit this morning through the pen and personality of the Apostle Paul is always one step ahead. And he's preparing us. He's getting us ready. Well, what do we do? Here's, here's our, our text this morning. A very short passage. Verse 14, Romans chapter 12. Bless those, bless those who persecute you. And it's repeated. It's twice in these little short verse, the short verse. Bless and do not. Don't you dare curse them. 
We hear that word blessed, we think at, at many levels of, of that word. It's repeated in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed, blessed are, makarios, happy are. This is not the same word. Okay, so it's not saying that. Rather, this word is eulageo. It means to bless, to speak well of, or to, to offer praise. Eulageo is the word we get, our word in the English language, of a eulogy. You know what a eulogy is? Somebody dies, and, and somebody comes up front, and they speak well of the person that is no longer here. Of the deceased. Now, now think of it like this. That's the way that we are supposed to speak toward those who are considered our enemy. That's the way that we're supposed to speak to those who speak ill of you, who don't like you. Well, what I call this verse today, it is, it is a dead giveaway to authentic Christianity. Because what, if, if your sole goal, and this is, what, this, is, this, is what, well, this is what happens in our world today, where people live with this idea of what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to hurt them because they hurt me. If your sole goal is what? I'm, I'm going I'm to give them a little bit of their own medicine. Which is so prevalent. If your sole goal is what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to set them straight. I'm going to teach them once and for all. They'll never mess with me again. Which is so commonplace in our world. If that's your soul, if that's the way that you live, you will realize that has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with authentic biblical Christianity. It has nothing to do with living like Jesus. Rather, if you are attacked, criticized, ridiculed for living in light of the word of God, we're actually to consider it a blessing. Th this is where we're reminded of, it's reminiscent of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that I just referenced in Matthew chapter 5. Then what blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake? Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Jesus says, what? Rejoice. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Remind you, you're not alone in this. Now, remember, in today's world, let's, let's, let's stay present tense here for a moment. Let's look around at what happens when there is a sense of reviling any type of reviling that takes place, any type of persecution that takes place, any kind of altercation or interaction, generally speaking, is not going to happen in what I call a playground mentality approach. You know what I mean when I refer to like altercation today doesn't happen the way that it did on the playground. What happened when there was an altercation on the playground is what? Two kids stand toe-to-toe, face-to-face. -to -face. And, and you said that about me, and I, I probably didn't respond. Let's just, let's just, let's just ring it out right now. And you, you know what's going to happen. 
Because that's, we got we to gotta work this thing out. Sometimes it's not pre- pretty, it's not, it's not pleasant, but that's the way it took place in, on the playground. Rather, what happens today, totally different. It, speaking of what? Conflict, words back and forth, happens in far more subtle, we could almost say sophisticated ways. But it happens in sneaky ways. Most often what it is, it's the spewing of rhetoric. Back and forth in what, 240 characters or 280 characters? In order to argue. It's the spewing back and forth. I'm, I'm going to instill my view. I'm going to convince you why you're wrong and I'm right. I'm going to impress you with my knowledge. And we have to be really careful because we, we, can't, we can't get drug into this. We, we can't go back and forth in that kind of silliness. Rarely, 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 if ever, does any kind of conflict take place face-to-face any longer. But rather what happens, it's more of a distant, it's a covert. When someone is in their basement and they're maliciously maligning another online. I'll, I'll get you, ugly one. Get you, fatso. And the things, like, I'll get you, meanie. Whatever it is, that's the way. And it is a dangerous, and it is a deadly approach. Why? Because this distance, where somebody's over there, and they're pounding away, and this person's over here, I'm going to get them. What, what happens, it's this inflamed bravado. It's an inflamed ego. Conflict doesn't happen the way that it used to. You don't need to, hey, you pick it up. You don't need to hitch your horse to the wagon. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride three miles to my neighbor's house. And we're going to work on this little problem between us. It just doesn't happen like that. Matter of fact, what I found, it, it doesn't, you don't even have to pick up the phone anymore. Because you don't want to hear the shakiness of your own voice. Instead, what? You just, you just pound it out in anger and hit send. Or, or worse, you, you pound it out and then, you, then you're going to post it so that others can hear and see how grievous the attack was upon you, upon your little club, upon your interests, upon your views, your political party or other temporal fleeting nonsense nonsense intentional word that I use there don't attack me and that's what happens in our culture in our society that's why we, we've got to we've got to keep this big picture in mind this is not this is not simply a call to Bless those to speak well of those who dislike you, who stick their tongue out at you, or even verbally what attack you. What, what is this a call? It is a call for us to live like Jesus. 
That's what we do. We gather to learn to follow the example that has been given to us. That's the big picture we need to keep in mind. Like, like the Apostle Paul, Jesus, they, they, were, they were constantly ridiculed. They were, they were constantly being mocked and threatened. Or far worse, they were physically assaulted and attacked. And it wasn't this occasional like, yeah, he gave me a dirty look. Or I got a, I got a thumbs down on that. Or did you see they sent me a red-faced emoji? How dare they? No, no, no. It was, a, it was a daily onslaught. I remember uh, preaching through the, the book of Acts a number of years ago, and hopefully some of you remember that. And we, we know the story. What, it begins with the ascension of Jesus. Earthly ministry finished. He, in a sense, he's now interceding on our behalf, seated at the right hand of the Father. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends the, the birth of, of the local church. I, I love that. And there's this explosion of growth and impact and influence of the gospel. Primarily through what? The leadership of men like Peter and James and, and John and eventually through the apostle Paul. And you'll see through the book of Acts a pattern very, very quickly developed. And I remember when I was preaching through this, I'm like this, is, like, this is getting hard to describe exactly the same thing that happens over and over again in different ways. Because it was just a pattern that was repeated. What happened is that they would, they would, they would, they would get on a horse, they traveled to a town, they would preach the gospel, and then they would get threatened, beat up, imprisoned, warned, released... And they'd go to the next town, and they would do it over and over again. And you could just, like, make the, the list through the journey. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. Preach the gospel, get beat up, thrown in prison, warned, released. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. Philippi, Thessalonica, Ephesus. Everywhere they went. This is not unlike the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's, it's not unlike the ministry of what many of our faithful brothers and sisters, our forefathers over the last two millennia. Like this is commonplace. It is not unlike the hardship that many Christians face even today for living in light of the gospel. Yet for some reason, when we are criticized for speaking up for what? The sanctity of human life. The sacredness of marriage. We speak up on the authority of Scripture. The response of many Christians is what? How dare they speak to me like that? What do you expect? What did you sign up for? How, how, how is that response? How dare they? I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. How, how, how is that response going to exalt the name of Jesus for the glory of God? How, how is that any different than the way the world responds to one another as they eat on and chew and tear one another apart? 
Rather, rather, our response just as Jesus taught and he modeled for us and Paul practiced as well as every single one of the apostles. Eleven of the twelve were killed, were murdered, heads cut off, beaten to death because they took a stand for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to come to a place where we bless our enemies and not curse them. Now, note in our text, there are actually two actions that are required. Now, now what I like to do is I, I, like, to, I like to tear the Band-Aid off quick. Like, let's just get it off. Like, it's going to hurt. Pull the splinter out. Just do it quick. Quick. So, in, in a sense, what happens here is we begin with the more difficult, and then we move to the slightly easier of the two actions. The first one is what? This is what we need to learn how to do. We need to learn how to render a blessing. Bless those who persecute you. Again, this is, this is the hard part. Bless them. Oh, bless you for being so cruel. Oh, bless you for being so mean. Bless you for being so angry. Now, you just think about this for a moment. Think hard about it, earnestly. Think honestly. In, in those situations, here's our response. We're to actually pray that God would bestow upon that person... His favor and grace. Anything that you hear, anything negative, anything critical, anything attacking, we, we pause and we pray that God would bestow his favor upon that person. That God would bestow his, his grace. That God would continue to lavish his mercy upon that person. Is, is, that, is that hard to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really hard to do. I'm going to show them a little bit of what they deserve. I'm going to give them a little bit of their own medicine. Like that's just our normal response here. It's hard to do, but yeah, what is the overarching theme of this entire section? I began with that. What? Verse 9. Let love be genuine. I Means sincere, authentic. Verse 10, love one another, out, outdo one another in showing honor. It's pretty obvious that Jesus had some really radical teaching on this subject. Like totally opposite of the culture. Perfectly fitting for our culture today. Where there's just a rancidness of, of, of attacking another. Listen to Jesus's rather radical teaching on this subject. Luke chapter 6. 27. But, but I say to you, this is Jesus Christ himself, but I, I say to you, love your enemies. And it's not just like, all right, I love you. You like the fact that I'm loving you? No, it's not that. Because he doesn't stop there. He says, love your enemies. And then there's action to this. Do good 
Like dew. Get your little pan out. Peel the apples. Put the little stuff all together. Put it in the oven. You're doing good. And I'm going to go deliver this to the person who was mocking me, making fun of me, who attacked me. I'm going to do good to those who hate you. Bless those. And as you deliver the little apple pie to nasty neighbor, as you walk back, you pray, Lord, please bestow your grace upon them. Bestow your, your love and your mercy and show favor to them. You see, you see, how, see how crazy that is in light of the way that we are behaving in the world today? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who, get this intentional word here, who abuse you. To... To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Is this radical stuff or what? Somebody, somebody, somebody takes something from me and I'm, and I'm reaching. We're going to draw on this guy. Because that's the way that we handle problems today. How dare you? Did you realize? Send! No, it's still not over. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But love your enemies. He repeats it. Do good. Repeats it. Lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Do you see here? We're living like Jesus. This is the way that he lives. He is kind. It says in Luke chapter 6 verse 36. Underline that. He behaves like this. He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Not, not only do we see this in Jesus' life and in Jesus' ministry, but you know where we see this? And, and I, am, I am struck by this, and I'm humbled by this, is that we see this in Jesus' death. We don't just see it in his life. We see it in Jesus' death. For there is there's no greater way to bless. There's no greater blessing one could ever offer than what? Than forgiveness. Now, if you recall in Luke chapter 23, as the Roman soldiers are driving metal spikes through his flesh, he says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them because they, they don't know what they're doing. And, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the fact that I'm, I'm sure that you have been attacked. I'm sure that you have been maligned. I'm sure that someone has mistreated you or, God forbid, even abused you. And you can stay locked in that. Or you can pray as our Lord Jesus Christ prayed and modeled for us. Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Could I ask you a question here? 
And this is, this is only for you to respond in, in the quietness and the depths of your own heart because only you know the answer to this question. Let me ask you this question. Have you prayed for help? God, I need your help. Have you prayed for strength? God, I need your strength on this. Have you prayed for help and strength to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt you? Have you done that? First and foremost, we, we need to, to learn to bless and be a blessing. To render a blessing. Secondly, we're to refrain from cursing. Bless and do not. And, and if you, again, underline, underscore, highlight, I would encourage you to underline those two words. Do not. Do not. We're literalists here. Do not, which means don't do this. Don't go there. Do not curse them. Now, if you recall, just a minute ago I said we're going we're to start with the hardest and we're going to move to the arguably easier than the first command. Now, nobody's saying this is like a walk in the park. And, and here's, here's, here's what it is. Control yourself. Bite your tongue. Hold your tongue, and if necessary, just walk away. Now, thankfully, Paul shows us what this looks like. What's it look like in, in the life and the words and the actions of, of followers of Jesus? Now, we can oftentimes take Romans chapter 12. It's this, like, pinnacle chapter, and we could put that alongside of Ephesians chapter 4, and they, they mesh perfectly together with how we interact with one another. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it says what? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Let, let no corrupt words come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, why is this so important? Here's why it's so important. Because my words, the, the word choice that I use impacts you. And you know what? Your words impact others. That's why this is so important. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Why? Because we impact one another. You ever realize this? We always run in packs. Like it just happens like that. My grandson just showed me his, his Phillies hat. Now, how, how does him? He doesn't even live. He, I, don't, I don't know if he's ever been to Philly. Like, wh why is that? Because for some reason, his daddy wore a Phillies hat. And then wh why did that? Because his daddy wore a Phillies hat. And why? Because his daddy wore a Phillies hat. Which means what? Phillies fans beget Phillies fans, Red Sox haters beget Red Sox haters. It's like it just happens. Which means what? We run in packs. Our words influence. Misery loves company. 
bitterness begets bitterness. Anger begets anger. So when you hear something, you see something, you begin what? You just begin to lace. How dare that? Did you hear? Come alongside. And we're together on this. So, so opposite. So, so contrary to how we are called to live. And it's tough. No, nobody's saying this. It's, it's tough to tame our tongue, isn't it? James, James had a, uh, James had a good friend. His name was Peter. And, and I think when, I, I think when James was writing this, I think he had his, his, his bro Peter in mind. Because it was like firsthand. Okay, L listen to what James says. The, the tongue is set among our members and it intentionally staining the whole body. You get a stain on your shirt? Like this week, I was eating like blueberry right there. You got to toss it. You're like, I, gotta, I can't go out like that. I got blueberry. It just it wrecks the whole shirt. Like my day's ruined. I got blueberry all on myself. That, that's in a sense the description that is used. The tongue is set. Among other members, that's parts of the body staining the whole body. Listen to this description. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord Jesus. With our tongue, we can choose to bless. And listen to this. With it, we curse people. And, I, and I'm amazed that, that James includes this next phrase. With this tongue, we can choose to bless or we can choose to curse what people who are made in the likeness of God. With our tongue, with our words, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Just stop right here for a minute. With the words that you choose to use. And it may not be your tongue that is spoken. It may be your fingers that are texting. Twittering, in, in. whatever you do. Words you choose can curse others, and those others, and James is very clear to include this, we're cursing others who are made in the likeness of God. We're cursing others who are made in the image of God. Rather than what? Seeing someone who is different than you. Rather than seeing someone who, who disagrees with you. Rather than seeing someone who even despises you. Choose simply to see them as another person just like you and I who are created in the very image of God. They have the very imprint of their creator on their life. They are made in the likeness of God. You understand what's happening here in the power of our words. Sure, they may have, what, a different political view. Fine. They may have, what, they may promote something that you don't agree with. They may live a lifestyle that you don't necessarily agree with that is contrary to the Word of God. They are created just like you in the image of God. They have the imprints. They are created in His likeness. Remember that God loves them. 
we are called to love them as well. We are called to love them as well. Jesus continues on in that very sermon in Matthew chapter 5. I, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Here it is. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Which means, Lord willing, you have a prayer list somewhere in the leaflet of your Bible, on your refrigerator, tattooed on the eyelids that God has blessed you with. There's a, there's a prayer list. And, and these are the people that move to the top of the prayer list. Because we're to pray for those who spitefully use you. Speak ill, persecute. And we, we need help to do this. We, we need to remember that God has chosen us to bless. God, God blessed us. God loved us when we were his enemies. Thirdly and finally, what? Refuse to move away from the gospel. This is like, this is like, this, this is beauty. See, see this attack. This disagreement. See, see the criticism. See the ridicule as an opportunity to point people to Jesus. So they're saying something nasty. Praise God. What an opportunity you have been given to model Christ's love for them. Colossians chapter 1. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds... He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. You see, this, this is a perfect lead into why we gather this is a perfect lead into the message that we are to proclaim. Now, thankfully, whenever it comes to this, excuse me, this is really hard to do. But whenever it comes to one of these texts, that this is like a really hard to do passage of Scripture, remember, remember, remember what has been given to us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Back to what? The last words that Jesus spoke before he ascends to heaven. But you will receive Power. The word in, in Greek is dynamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. It's that kind of power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Not like I hope all the stars align and then maybe if everything's great and the birds are singing and the sun is shining and then I'm going to tell people about Jesus. No. That's not the environment. That, that's not the soil that exists in, in this particular garden. It, it's hard soil. And God has graciously placed you. And maybe even in the midst of what? People don't get me. They don't understand me. And they're, they like make fun of me and they attack me. And they, 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 they... No, you, you have been given something. A power from within. Whenever we get to, this is a really hard text. This is really hard. God says, I got you covered. Don't worry. Because he dwells within us. He gives to us the right words at the right time in the right tone. 
You will be my witnesses. And it's going to begin right here in Lock Haven. And then it surrounds the Clinton County. And then it surrounds the state of Pennsylvania. And then it surrounds the country that we've been called to live in and blessed with. Common grace all over the place. And what? Even to the ends of the earth. And it begins with you understanding where God has placed you. And who he's made you to be. And what he's given you. To be faithful and obedient. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Not only by a new way of, of acting and behaving and living and speaking. But a new way of thinking. Remember how we started this whole section? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. We talked about the ground rules. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got to think different. Marita says it like this. Tony Marita says, we have to be gospel-shaped. I just love that. Because I'm like, so what exactly is the shape of the gospel? You know what it is. We have to be gospel-shaped. We have to see what? Our brokenness and our desperate state and how God loves us and we have been given opportunity to love others. We have to be gospel-shaped. Mind-renewed, spirit-empowered followers of Christ to live it out. To live like Jesus. So here it is, very quick, three things. I heard a message just this past week, and they were quoting another message, and the preacher was saying, 17thly, I'm not going to do that to you. Application number one, open your heart. O op op open your heart. Learn, learn to see others. And, and, and learn to see them as, as what they are. They're, they're caught oftentimes. They're enslaved. They're, they're, they're entrapped. Oftentimes, they're, they're blinded. They don't even know. Let me remind you of this. You are not going to ever attack or argue anyone into heaven. It's not going to work like that. You will not argue them into heaven. See them as Jesus saw the Roman soldiers nailing spikes through his flesh. He opened his heart. Father, forgive them. Number two, close your mouth. Well, that's, that's a stunning piece of instruction. Yeah, what'd you learn in church today? Well, technically, I was told to shut up. You, you may very well be gifted with a very keen mind and a quick tongue. You may have even won a starting spot on your school's debate team. That the other kids in the school were making fun of you for winning that spot. But were secretly jealous. You, you, you may be what? At the top of your class. But the best thing for you to do is to pray in silence. Because that's what scripture calls us to do. Close your mouth and pray in silence. Pray a prayer of blessing, of God's favor upon them. Yes, we are to speak. The Holy Spirit will let you know when that is. Yes, we are to be a good apologist and we are to be prepared. But when it comes to those who are persecuting or attacking, do not inflame them. Thirdly and finally, show your love for Jesus by showing your love for others. 
Think sacrificial love here. It's going to cost me something. It's going to hurt. It's going to sting. That's what Christ did for us. And what is this? What, what is all of this? This is another opportunity to live like Jesus lives. That's what it is. I, I am so, I, I'm, you know me, I'm the animal that needs to have like, well, what's the motivation behind that? How do we do this? How do we accomplish that? Thus the reason that we are given a wonderful reminder of how we are to live like Jesus. How, how, we are, how are we able to do this really, really hard stuff? What Jesus tells us, and he gave to us a reminder, you can do this because remember what I did for you. That's what the communion table is all about. We identify as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, a wonderful part as we covenant together as a, as a, as a family. We hold on to the, the essence, the full measure of the gospel by remembering the sacrifice that Jesus offered on our behalf. I, I, I deserved, I deserved to be whipped and, and scourged, and I deserved to have nails driven through my flesh for, for the man and the heart that I know. And, and yet God says, I, I love that boy. And I'm going to take his punishment. I'm going to pay the price. And that's what God has done for all of us. If you have received by faith the gift of grace, of salvation. Now we are, we are prone to wander. You know that. We easily forget so Jesus, and we know in the very night that he was betrayed, right before he went out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, before what? Judas kissed him on the cheek. Before the chains and before the whips, he sat with those closest to him. And he says, I, I want to give you an object lesson that you, you, you cannot forget this. He instructs us as a, as a church to, to regularly, when we come together, remember the table of the Lord, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that Jesus took bread. They, they were sitting low around a, uh, a table. It's, it's almost, the table's almost on the floor, and they, they recline. They, they lay next to one another as they're eating. And Jesus reached for some bread, and it says that he took bread, and, and he said, hey, hey, Peter, close your mouth. Listen to me here. Everyone listen. And, and, and he said, watch this. He took the bread and he broke the bread. And as he broke it, he said, this is a picture of my body. My body's going to be broken for you. They didn't fully understand it. And they were maybe... Looking on with question, he took the fruit of the vine. He, he took wine and he poured it out into a glass. He said, this is a picture of my blood. Just as that was poured out, my blood is going to gush. It's going to be poured out. But see, blood is what offers life. And as Jesus gave his life for us, we receive life. We receive it more abundantly. And they took a sip and they passed it. And they ate some bread and they passed it and they took a sip and they took some bread and they passed it around. And that's what we do. Why? Because when you can touch something and you can smell something and you taste something and you see something, all of those senses, what? I remember that. I remember that. We're not going to forget. 
because Jesus knew that he was hated. He was going to be persecuted. People were going to revile him. And yet he was able to offer love back. That's what we're called to do. And in order to do that, we need to, we need to be mindful. So that's what we do as a church regularly. Remember the Lord's table. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bring the elders forward and they're going to, to serve you. And, and what I would encourage you to do is before we do that, just, just take a moment in silence. Bow your head and thank the Lord for, for, for sacrificing himself for dying on our behalf. And we're going to um, uh, ask you to, to come forward. If, if you're not a member of Big Woods Bible Church, but you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that means you're perfect, then this is for you. Please come up and take this, and we'll, we'll take this together. We'll eat it, and we'll drink it, and we'll remember that Jesus sacrificed himself for us so that we would be willing to sacrifice to others. Take a moment of silence. Come up. The men will serve you. We'll go back to our seats and I will pray and we will take of this amazing supper together.
Would you pray with me? Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. We are reminded today of our own unworthiness, and we confess that before you. And we thank you that you forgive us and that you love us, that you bestow your mercy and your grace, your favor. We thank you for the reminder that we have today of the bread and the cup that is a picture, a picture, a symbol of your body and blood that was poured out for us. We love you and we thank you for loving us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. It says that the Lord Jesus Christ on the very night that he was betrayed, he took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said this. He said this is my body which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Jesus then said in the very same way, took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Every time we eat this bread, every time we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we look forward to when he comes again. Bill's going to lead us.